Welcome to Every Moment His, a podcast dedicated to contemplating how God's preached Word impacts every moment of our lives. This sermon was preached at Holy Cross in Kearney, Nebraska by Pastor John Rasmussen. So in verse 34, when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Not far. Is that a good response or not so good of a response? What do you think? Not far. Well, it definitely means that he's not in, right? I think that this response would be maybe a little surprising for a scribe because this scribe had a formal theological education. He knows the Bible better than you do. We could say, what's Exodus 30-something? And he'd be like, I know it. He spent his whole life studying the scriptures and setting his life toward obeying the commandments. And Jesus says, hey, great answer. You know, you're not far from the kingdom of God. A little humbling, right? What are we going to do with that? Not far. You know, not far can be a good thing or it can be a tragic thing. What's the old phrase, you know, with hand grenades and horseshoes, you know, good enough, close enough? Uh, could mean that. You're not far, you're close. But not far can also be tragic. I haven't been watching the World Series lately, but maybe you have, and wouldn't it be tragic if it's the bottom of the ninth, the game, right, that decides the World Series? Bases are loaded. You know this scenario, right? Bottom of the ninth. Somebody gets up to the plate. Runners on third, right? Line drive to center field. People start moving towards home. And let's say that that third base runner, who's going to hopefully score the, top, the run that will win the World Series, stops about two inches before home plate and says, I'm not far. We'll call it good. It's close enough. Is close enough going to win a World Series game? No. That's a tragedy, right? Everybody the next day would look at that and say, that is a tragedy, right? I've heard that in blizzard conditions, whiteout conditions, that people have died within yards of their cabin. You know, they can't see anything. They're, they're groping around trying to find home. They're trying to get to safety and shelter and warmth. And they're not far, but then they die close to safety. It was right there, but they just couldn't see it. They were not far. And in that case, not far would be a tragedy, right? I think what Jesus is saying here, and, and we, we, we got to wrestle with this, right? is that you can be an inch away from the kingdom of God and still go to hell, right? You can be really close. You can be at the door, feeling around on it maybe, but still miss it. Tragically, wouldn't that be tragic? Now, I want to talk about what this man's missing. What is he missing so that he's not in? Close, but not in. But before, I want to recognize that he is close, and, and Jesus recognizes this as well. So for, for first, let's, let's point this out. 
I think Jesus is telling him that he's answered well and that he's close to the kingdom of God because this man understands the purpose of life. So many people just don't understand what the purpose of life is. They think the purpose of life is to to be happy and to feel good about yourself or to kind of live your best life, whatever that might be for you. But this guy gets it. He knows that the purpose of life is to love his creator with everything he is and to love his neighbor as himself. He gets it. He knows what the purpose of life is. And the next thing is this, is that I think that he understands the heart of the law. He is not like some of the Pharisees who got hung up on washing the hands before eating or not healing on the Sabbath because that would be work. He understands the heart of God and the law. He understands the big thing, to love God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself. He's close. But what's he missing? As we think about this Reformation Day that we're celebrating, I'm going to hold out to you two things I believe this man is missing. Number one, I think he's missing despair. Despair of his own works and his own efforts. Despair of his own ability to keep those two great commandments. I want to turn your attention to, to Romans here. You can open up to Romans if you want. It's not that far to get there. Romans chapter 3, that was our epistle reading today. It's on page 941. While you're flipping there, did you know that in 2022, we're going to preach through the entire book of Romans? It's going to be fun. Get excited. Romans chapter 3, page 941. I want you to see something that maybe you missed in our reading today. Paul is talking about how we get right with God. How do we have the forgiveness of sins? How do we get into the kingdom of God and stay in the kingdom of God? This is what he says in Romans 3, 19 through 20. He says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law. Who would be under the law? This scribe, right? So that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. It's interesting, at at Judgment Day, nobody is raising their hand and saying, I kept the commandments. Nope, every mouth is stopped. For by works of the law, let's just read it together. But by works of the law, what? No human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Now, what's the summary of the law? What's the great commandment? You shall love God with all your heart, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Let's phrase this a little bit differently. By loving God with all your heart and by loving your neighbor as yourself, no human being will be justified in God's sight. Since through the commandment to love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself comes the knowledge of sin. Do you feel that? The commandment to love God with everything and to love the neighbor as yourself, that's heavy. You see, there's a lot of people who come to Jesus 
and they get something from him. In fact, they even enter his kingdom. Blind Bartimaeus, did he come to Jesus though, saying, Jesus, how can I? What must I do? No, how did he come? Think back to last week. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He came in his need. The children who enter into God's kingdom so easily, are they saying, what must I do to enter into the kingdom of God? No, they enter into it easily because they need, right? This is so important that we understand this, is that, you see, here's the thing. We must keep God's commandments perfectly, but we can't. And the more you try, the more you will realize that you can't. And yet you must. Sometimes we excuse ourselves because we say, nobody's perfect. But that doesn't change the purpose for which God created you. Just because we're not perfect and just because we're broken and, and marred by sin doesn't mean that God did not create you to love him with the whole heart and love your neighbor as yourself. It's like if I get a new iPhone out of the box and it's just not working, I don't say, oh, this phone is not perfect. It's not working for the purpose for which it was designed. And that's our condition as human beings. You see, the law of God is heavy. You, you can't handle it. It will break you. It will sink you eternally. And this man, I don't think he understood that. Do you understand this, though? Do you recognize how much God is asking for you in his commandments? He's asking for everything. And do you recognize that because of sin, you can't give this to God? I mean, some of you may still be thinking, you're still holding out, thinking, I can maybe do just good enough and God will accept that. No. I'm going to do some Martin Luther quotes. Martin Luther understood this. He said, the law brings the wrath of God and it kills, reviles, accuses, judges, and condemns everything that is not in Christ. Anything that's not in Christ. And look what he says here. He says, it is certain that a man must utterly despair of his own ability before he is prepared to receive the grace of Christ. Is that you? Have you recognized that this commandment is too heavy for you? Utterly despair of our own ability. See, the problem with this man is that I think he's approaching Jesus thinking, I got this, I can handle this, I can go after it. What this man needs is to be able to say, I can't. That's the first thing he's missing. But the second thing he's missing is the one who can. And not only the one who can, but the one who did. You see, there's one man who has perfectly loved God with the whole heart and perfectly loved the neighbor as himself, even to the point of it costing him his life. That's not you or me. It's not the scribe. It's Jesus. The second thing that this man is, is missing is he's missing faith. He's missing trust in Jesus Christ. Let's go back to Romans. See, Paul gives us the bad news when he says that, that the law of God silences us. The law of God shows us our sin. The law of God shows us our sickness, our depravity. 
But look what Paul does in Romans 3, 21 and following. He says, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested, what? Apart from law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through what? Through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there's no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You and me and the scribe, everybody has fallen short of the glory of God. We've fallen short of loving God with the whole heart and loving the neighbor as ourselves. And we are justified, and that word justified simply means to be declared to be in a right relationship with God. And we are justified by what? By His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation, that's a sacrifice to remove guilt, by His blood to be received by faith. This man was missing a sense of his own sinfulness and despair over his inability to keep God's commandments and he was missing faith in Christ because you get the impression that he's coming to Jesus to get some advice. But that's not why Jesus came. Jesus didn't come to give advice. Jesus didn't come to give us some good moral improvement. He didn't come to coach us in how to be a better person. Jesus came to be a savior, right? to justify us by faith in his sacrifice, his life, his death, his resurrection alone. Once again, this is the way that the children approach Jesus. This is the way that blind Bartimaeus approached Jesus. This is the way that everybody who receives something from Jesus approaches him in Mark's gospel through faith. Not by any merit, not by any works, not by any moral uprightness, but only through faith. That's how people come and receive something from Jesus, and that's the way it is with you and me too. Luther knew this. He lived it. Luther says this. He says, He is not righteous who does much, but he who without work believes much in Christ. And check this out. He says, The law says, Do this. Love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. And what? It is never done. But grace says, believe this, and everything is already done. That's the gospel, friends. That's the gospel. That's what Christ came to do. This was uh, Luther's experience. Um, you know, Luther and the scribe have a lot in common because uh, both Luther and the scribe had a theological education. Luther and the scribe were devoted to keeping the commandments of God. Luther and the scribe both knew the scriptures backwards and forwards. But Luther's experience was as a monk was one who was always close to the kingdom of God but never there. This is what he says. Later in his life, reflecting on his own conversion, he says this, he says, Though I lived as a monk without reproach, I felt that I was a sinner before God with an extremely disturbed conscience. I did not love, yes, I hated the righteous God who punishes sinners, and secretly, if not blasphemously, I was angry with God. But then... He says this, and he's talking about his study of Paul's letter to the Romans that we just read. He says, at last, 
by the mercy of God meditating day and night on the text of Romans, I began to understand that the righteousness of God is that by which the righteous lives by a gift of God, namely by faith. And here I felt that I was altogether born again and had entered paradise itself through open gates. See, Luther recognized I can't. But he found the one who can, who did, Christ. Luther wasn't close anymore. He was in the kingdom of God by faith and not by his own efforts. So what about you? Do you grasp this? Do you understand this? Do you look at the sum total of all your works, all your efforts to keep God's commandments, and do you acknowledge that they are foul refuse? And that the only thing that, that, that avails before God, the only thing that counts for anything is Christ crucified and risen from the dead for you. Do you see that? Do you understand that? I hope you do because that's at the heart of the gospel. That's at the heart of Christian teaching. This teaching that we are made right with God through faith in Jesus Christ alone is not just some part of Christian teaching. It is the Christian faith. Do you see that Luther's seal up there? What's at the center of it, at the heart of it, is Christ. Not your works or your efforts or your good enough or close enough. It's Christ. This is what the Reformation was all about. It was calling the church back to the heart, which is Christ. Because at this time, uh, at the time of the Reformation, the church was teaching that you could just kind of do good enough and you might make it in. And Luther and the other reformers said, that's not why Christ died. That's not why Jesus shed his blood. He shed his blood, he gave his life, he gave everything so that you might know for sure I'm in by faith. Sometimes we might kind of look at our heritage as, as Lutheran Christians and we think, yeah, it's kind of nice to be Lutheran, I guess, um, you know, or not. Um, there's really no differences between different denominations, you know, if you're this or that. Um, this is really important though, guys. This is really important. Um, what we believe about how we're made right with God makes a difference about everything. It's going to make a difference in how you suffer. It's going to make a difference in the joy and, and the good things you experience in life. It's going to make a difference about what you hope in. And significantly for this sermon, it's going to make a difference in how you love God and how you love your neighbor. What's the difference between loving God out of fear, and I hope so, versus loving God out of I know that I'm right with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Do you see the difference? Are you going to love God more if you're just laboring and trying and hoping that you make it? Or are you going to love God more if he loved you so much that he took your salvation entirely out of your hands so that now it depends entirely upon Christ? It's going to make you love God differently. You're going to love him because he first loved you. Are you going to love your neighbor more 
if your neighbor is to be loved so you can earn salvation? Or are you gonna love your neighbor more if loving your neighbor has nothing to do with your salvation? Do you see that? If you're loving your neighbor to get right with God, your neighbor is just part of your salvation plan. Kind of using your neighbor, right? Um, but if you've been loved completely and made right with God completely through faith in Jesus Christ, all of a sudden you're free to love your neighbor without any other agenda except you're loving that person the way you've been loved in Christ. See, it makes a difference, friends. It makes a big difference in how we live our Christian lives. And so this Reformation Day, we remember with humility uh, that we've been given the gift of the gospel. And that gospel is Christ alone, by grace, through faith, Christ alone. And it makes a difference in how we live before God. It makes a difference in how we keep his commandments. Amen.